a Parisian symbol transformed into a site of protest. As night fell, police were still struggling to restore calm to the French capital. It all began at the Arc de Triomphe Saturday morning. The situation got out of hand as protesters tried to force their way through a police checkpoint. Authorities began making arrests and firing tear gas. What's amazing about this protest is the polls show that up to 85% of people in France actually support this movement. I mean, understandable. Taxes are insane and there's more being proposed. But what I also was sent was footage of police officers removing their helmets in protest and in solidarity with the people marching here. The Gilets Jaunes, or Yellow Vest protest, was born out of a backlash against fuel prices and the cost of living. But it's morphed into a broader revolt against Macron. Public violence has made the French government back down on planned measures to reduce the country's carbon footprint. It had planned tax increases on fuel, natural gas, and electricity. The French government has announced that the country will suspend for six months a fuel tax. It sparked violent protests in Paris. This comes after peaceful demonstrations this weekend spiraled out of control. You're listening to Cooler Earth, a podcast of climate exchange. Your weekly dive into energy transitions, sustainability, environmental politics, and all things climate change. Each week, we feature special guests and in-depth discussions with your hosts, Maria Eugenia Olano and Amanda Griffiths. So we're here with Michael Green, our executive director, uh, to discuss what's been going on in Paris and more broadly France in the past couple of weeks. So let's start by walking through what's been happening over the past month. What happened first? How did this begin? When did we find out about it? Where did it start? So happy to join you guys on the show here in the Cooler Earth studio. Awesome to be back on season two. Yeah, so France has been in the news for the last few weeks. Um, most notably earlier this week, we saw that the president, President Macron, has come to the table to talk with uh, the Yellow Vest movement, the protesters that have been out in the streets of Paris, really causing quite a bit of damage, seeing numbers of thousands of people being arrested, hundreds hurt, and really shockingly, four deaths. This is not your normal French protest. This is really uh, something quite different that Macron has not seen yet during his time. So really a lot to dig into. What are the reasons? Uh, what are the causes? What are they asking for? Uh, and we're seeing a lot of this linking back to climate policy. So hopefully we can talk a little bit about what has gone on with the climate policy so far in France uh, and really what the goals of the administration are for moving forward. So the protest began on November 17th. So that's almost three weeks ago now, uh, and they were sparked by an eco-tax on fuel that was due to come into effect in January of next year. Um, the protests are named after the those like high-visibility yellow vests that you have to wear for protection, like on the road. Everyone has one in the back of their car in France. So that's what they were named. So what is the significance that they started because of this so-called gas tax? And what mm-hmm. does that mean? What was that going to look like in France? So it's important to note first that uh, protest is nothing new to France around tax policy. The French Revolution started with a tax on flour. Uh, So to no surprise here, with a tax that was levied from the administration with very little uh, input from the base, 
that they're seeing quite a upheaval. And there was plenty of political commentators in France that noted that without further engagement and without making uh, clear goals defined uh, and without having a, stri- a, a strong public engagement strategy around this um, around this tax, that there was going to be uh, people upset and people are frustrated. At the same time, there's been growing inequality in France, uh, much like what we've seen here in the United States. A lot of that divide is felt between urban centers and rural communities. So, again, protests are nothing new to French governance. And just like here in the U.S., we've seen the bell definitely swing uh, both ways over the last few administrations. It wasn't long ago that the protests in the streets were against the military actions of Sarkozy uh, or austerity measures or the taxation. So remember, they had a progressive leftist prime minister prior to the current administration, who actually left on a much lower approval rating than Macron currently finds himself at. And there is a promise of stronger governance of a leader who was not going to just put in new taxes and grow the government, but was also going to find ways to engage the private sector and bring businesses along in the conversation. Macron was widely viewed as the business-friendly candidate uh, in that election. So that ties in directly to what we're seeing here today in that he has tried to really go it alone a lot of the times. He's tried to lead from the top, and that lack of engagement and the challenges that that is created now for him is something that he's certainly feeling uh, in his actual have-to-repeal of the policy. Right, and in fact, he did, in his first 18 months in office, he was very pro-business. He made measures to make businesses more competitive. He cut taxes on companies and transformed the wealth tax, easing the burden on the very wealthy, which just added fuel to the fire, literally, that is happening in Paris streets. And there's also the added complexity of his opposition and the very far-right party of Marine Le Pen that almost beat him in last election. They definitely had him move even further to the right. But uh, let's take a little bit of time to focus on the policy itself. Uh, So first, uh, the fee that was to be put in place at the beginning of January, I believe, was set to raise $34 billion in revenue. Uh, 25% of that only, though, was going to be going into climate policy. Which is interesting because the government used that as the biggest talking point, right? This was supposed to bring the economy towards green solutions to climate change. Macron famously said, you know, putting our bills at the end of the month in front of the bill for the future generations or something to that effect. Uh, So it's certainly something that's popped up in the Trump administration also took the opportunity to blast away at this being something that was driven from the Paris Agreement. Right. So Donald Trump actually did tweet on December 8th, which was this past weekend, quote unquote, the Paris Agreement isn't working out so well for Paris. And then added, uh, chanting, we want Trump, love France. That I don't believe is correct. But it is interesting that this is being levied to go almost against the Paris Agreement, which this has absolutely nothing to do with. Right. I think the main takeaway certainly about the fee, and and Maria is correct in that a majority of French public support action on climate change is up in the 90s percentile, but it really came down to connecting 
the tax to the services that the government has been able, or in this case, not able to provide. So a lot of questions around inequality, but also there's been a lot of concerns around declining public services. So if you're going to be leveraging a new tax or a new fee, ensure it works as a market mechanism to shift people away from fossil fuel intensive use. But at the same time, you have to be really clear about what that revenue is being spent on. The general fund just doesn't make people feel good about giving more money to the government. What implications does this then have on future climate policy if we're looking at this protest in response to a gas tax? And as a follow-up to that, we have said in this podcast many times that we've touched upon the idea of a carbon tax widely as needed inherently to actually get us to solutions. Is this something that we're going to expect everywhere else where a carbon tax is trying to be implemented? Or is this just a talking point that people who oppose it are using? For ambitious climate policies, I think there's some key uh, points that we'll maybe bring up a little bit in the show. But certainly we have a lot of concerns around what does this mean for climate policy or carbon pricing uh, in the future. I don't think that it actually is going to have a ripple effect to other places that are contemplating this policy initiative. Sure, it may be brought up and raised as a flag by uh, people who are trying to curb ambition or trying to slow movement from a low cart to a low carbon economy down. Um, but at the end of the day, we look at this as one of the most approved, whether it's by economists, by business leaders, or by political scientists, way of curbing and reaching deep emission cuts in the future. Uh, so it's certainly something that we're going to have to get to. But what we're learning from France is that the means need to justify the ends, certainly. That you need stronger public engagement. That you also need to find ways to not continually perpetuate challenges around wealth and inequality. As well as, as we mentioned earlier, the divide between rural communities and really city centers which are attracting new jobs and where we're seeing most of the economic growth in the past 10 years. So Maria, do you remember that time that we <laughs> drove in a Tesla? It was amazing. <laughs> Honestly, it's one of those things where we've heard how amazing Teslas are, but you never really understand it fully until you are in it and like actually riding it's, inside. Yeah, it's like you're driving in a spaceship. Literally. <laughs> like these really crystal clear screens and you just touch them and decide what you want to listen to. And then you look up and there's no ceiling. Everything <laughs> is so sleek. On that note, we are actually in the middle of our biggest fundraiser yet. And we're giving away three brand new Teslas. Right, we decide for our third annual raffle, three Teslas is very fitting. True. And the winner gets their choice of a Model X, a Model S, or a Model 3 performance for first place. But second and third place also get a car. It's pretty sweet. So where do we find out more about a raffle or purchase a ticket again? Yeah, so if you want to support us and our mission, uh, visit carbonraffle.org where you can get your tickets. And a gas tax would disproportionately affect the people who are already being disproportionately affected, economically speaking, because they live away from urban centers and oftentimes need to commute to work. 
which means I guess that's what affects those people more. They're gonna feel the fee more, and at the same time, they probably have the least chance to avoid、mm-hmm. feeling the the fee. Probably also plays into something we see in the U.S. as well, where people in rural areas feel like they're paying into a system that's not actually supporting them with services. That infrastructure is more important in urban areas. Those are kind of the economic focus points. And so, when you have a president like Macron who comes into office and is again prioritizing business interests and and all of that activity, people in provinces are only going to take that for so long. And this is kind of like adding salt to the wound for them. But I guess there's one thing we haven't touched upon, and is that the president gave up on the gas tax, and、mm-hmm. yet the protests continued.、Mm-hmm. Right, which really shows、um, first a, a few things that it's the French spirit and support for action in the street is alive and well. So when Macron came to power、uh, and was elected, he said that he would not. Blink in the face of the protesters in the street, and if we've seen anything over the past month, they've certainly forced him to blink. So not only is he delaying moving forward with the feet, but we also saw four other simpler changes that also address hopefully some of the movement's questions and needs. So we saw a rise in the minimum wage in France, a removal of tax and social charges on overtime, encouragement to employers to give workers tax-free bonuses, and also an end to the surcharge on most pensions. So the president is definitely going above and beyond to trying to meet the demands of the yellow vest movement. Except for resigning. Except for resigning, he still is going to be in power until the next elections. So, if France has not proved that comprehensive climate policy doesn't work, then what is needed,、uh, in your view, to have landmark climate policy pass and be inclusive? Well, I think one thing that we've learned a little bit from the French experience here, and first, again, keep in mind that maybe climate was used as a justification after the protests more than it might have been used going into the march and kind of brought as a a strong leadership move by Macron and. That's something that certainly is needed everywhere where we've seen bold and ambitious climate policy move forward. It has had this element of strong leadership, whether that's Jerry Brown in California, Jay Inslee pushing carbon pricing in Washington, even at a national level with the Clean Power Plan under the Obama administration. Strong leadership is certainly a key part of the recipe needed. I also think that there's room for increase around accountability as well as input. Those two things go hand in hand. So the strong leadership figure and role who is willing to champion this has to remain accountable to the policy and the implications of the policy. We definitely see Macron getting some credit for accountability here with how he's. Kind of had to roll back the policy, but where he struggled is getting input prior to the process. If he had done a better job of engaging with unions and business leaders and people across the political spectrum in France prior to this, and not just gained input from them but with open ears, I think we would be looking at a different scenario now. And then the last, having clear goals and commitments to those goals, is something that's really important. 
So having a small proportion of that money, again, 25% of the $34 billion going into climate action and the rest just going into the French general fund um, certainly raises an eyebrow around using climate change as a means to grow governance. Uh, so those three issues are, or those three key elements are things that need to be considered in moving forward with ambitious climate policy. So it seems that we have a lot of social unrest. There's obviously a massive polarization between classes and political parties and generational divides where people are upset with how economies are doing and they're scared for their futures. Do we need to then fix those problems before then trying to implement either economic policies or climate policies? Or can those policies be the solution possibly to all the unrest? Absolutely, right? So here in Massachusetts, and one of the things that we're seeing in state policies that are popping up across the country is really looking at opportunities for addressing social inequality challenges, racial divides, while also dealing with a transition to a low-carbon economy. So what might that look like? Uh, First, that could look like uh, positioning rebates or tax breaks within a carbon policy. Uh, It also can mean making sure that the money or the revenue race is dedicated to climate policies that are also helping to reduce emissions or increase access to public transportation or dealing with the threats of rising sea levels and extreme weather. So we need to be clear about what the goals of the fee are. We need to make sure that it's not uh, worsening societal challenges that we're already facing at the same time. Uh, and also making sure that it continues our commitment to raising ambition and replication in other uh, jurisdictions as well. A lot of what we explored in the previous season, talking about energy democracy or social capital and all of these systems, the main takeaway that we keep coming back to is that how a policy is designed and implemented is crucial in whether it can disrupt current systems and Mm -hmm. make more just systems for the future. So maybe it is all changes in energy policy, changes in the way our grids work. All of these major societal changes just happen to coincide with the greatest problem our generation will face as well. And I think it's also about ownership, right? So we talk about the way the French government went this in a very top-down way without mm-hmm. inclusion. And it's going to be critical to give people ownership over these solutions, which in this case they didn't have. Right. And there's a lot of ways that you can do that, whether that's empowering um, states to take action, like the Clean Power Plan. Remember, the Clean Power Plan, as much as has been blasted at by the current administration, it actually left up to the states to realize what their emissions reductions were going to be and how they were going to go about doing that through the electricity sector. It provided you a suite of tools to use, uh, but it allowed the states to take ownership in the decision-making process. So maybe that is where we should be looking at for the replication of future ambitious climate policy. You know, the clean power plan was just a start and it wasn't going to be an end-all solution. But it's certainly the process that it went through is something that maybe the French administration could have learned from. There's something else of consequence to climate policy going on in Europe this week. And those are the UN climate talks and negotiations. Is there any implications for the French delegation being there or the negotiations that are happening there, which are a subsequence of the Paris Agreement of 2015? Or how does this upheaval in France play into what is going on in Poland? 
Well, it certainly adds another cloud over the Polish negotiations that are happening. And, uh, you know, the first two clouds being certainly uh, the Trump administration, the Brexit negotiations or failure uh, around the Brexit negotiations. And then I guess the third cloud just being the general worse air pollution in all of Europe that is in southern Poland due to their reliance on coal. So fitting this into the context of the larger negotiations that are happening is something that it probably will have a ripple effect. They're negotiating the rule book, or what is being referred to as the Paris Agreement rule book right now. Now, we're fortunate that these aren't stalling a major cop. Um, so think Copenhagen, think Paris. Uh, this was definitely a, a stepping stone conference as far as they go, but it does have ramifications around how much resources the government can put into those talks if they're preoccupied at home. Because just like what is needed to drive climate policy back in their individual states or governments, we still need those same three ingredients to be driving the negotiations within the UN. So without having leadership, because people are preoccupied dealing with challenges in their own home country, it certainly creates a little bit of a strain on you know, how far they're going to be able to get this rule book and what they're going to have as a feather in their cap at the end of this two-week process. It's just such a stark contrast from what was going on three years ago in Paris, mm-hmm. where we everything was hopeful and it seemed like we were heading on a very bright direction in terms of climate policy. We're definitely going to see more challenges like this. Uh, We're not going to be able to roll out of bed one day and decide that we've made it and that climate policy is going to deliver us the, the ends that it needs to. We're facing a continued rise of populist and nationalist movements. Uh, We're seeing higher questions around antitrust and governance and uh, a growing divide in partisan politics. So all of these things are really pushing back against that sunny day we had in Paris three years ago. But what it's hopefully going to happen is we'll have a rebirth of commitment and ambition and leadership going into the next round of major talks, uh, and that will be underlined by local commitments and local action, what people are doing back home in their cities uh, or in states here in the U.S., as well as then bubbling up to national and international commitments as well. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe on your favorite listening platform and follow us on Instagram at Cooler Earth. Stay tuned for next week's episode and thanks for listening. Stay cool.